when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Any idiot can say whatever they want, and they usually do, and they're negative. And all I see, to me, I've gotten to a point now when I see things like that, I feel sorry that those people feel that way, that their lives don't have the purpose, the passion, and the excitement and the enjoyment that some of us do. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sunbelt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. Talk about the reception you receive from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. And as my, as the head football coach at South Carolina, my job is to do what I feel is best for the University of South Carolina football program today and going forward in the future. And that's what I did. We wish him well and uh, have nothing but, uh, 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 we, we wish him well. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm flying solo for this edition. Shane had to work. Couldn't get him on the line. The show must go on after we had a couple viral clips from over the weekend. And I came up with a fun little idea here that I'm sure everybody is going to love to hate on. But hey, some good news before we get rolling here. Just wanted to make a little quick announcement that uh, we have officially purchased Missouri and Vanderbilt koozies for the show. So that means we've got all... 14 SEC teams covered. If you have been waiting to put in that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app, put that in now. We got you covered with all 14 SEC teams. Just reach out to us with that review at thatsecpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll hit you up with one of these koozies. We got all 14. Vanderbilt and Missouri will be getting here in a couple of weeks, but the order's been placed. The money's been paid. That's basically why we had ads last month, so we could pay for those. So, hey, we got all 14 covered. I'm happy about that. Excited to get those rolling before the season arrives. So, Missouri and Vanderbilt, we got you covered along with the rest of the SEC. But before we get rolling with the news here, let's kick it on down to Columbia real quick. If you missed it, South Carolina President Bob Caslin wanted to start with this because, my man, he's not very popular in Columbia and he's not doing himself any favors with <laughs> commencement speech that he gave at a graduation at South Carolina over the weekend. Keep in mind, South Carolina President Bob Castlin, let's kick it over to him. Well, my honor and privilege to officially congratulate you, congratulate you as the newest alumni from the University of California. Congratulations and please be seated. Carolina. My man, if there's one thing you cannot say as a South Carolina president, just mention the ripoff USC. You can't say California. Can't believe that even needs to be said. Even worse, for old Bob Caslin, 
Turns out he ripped off a speech here. He plagiarized, completely took from another guy. He has since come out and apologized for that. But, man, two screw-ups in one commencement speech by the president of the university. Not a great look. And he's already kind of on thin ice in terms of popularity there in Columbia. And that sure as hell ain't going to help him none. But, all right, next, let's kick it all down to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Where, of course, you knew Nick Saban was going to respond to old Jimbo. Remember, if you missed it, Jimbo said at the Houston Touchdown Club, he was asked if uh, he's waiting for Nick Saban to retire. He said, hell no. We're going to whoop his ass while he's there. And now, here's in response to that, Nick Saban asked about these comments from old Jimbo Fisher. Classic response here. Coach, got to ask, uh, your friend Jimbo said yesterday that um, at some point while you're in Tuscaloosa, he was going to beat your butt. That wasn't the word that he used, but did you have any response for that? In golf? <laughs> <laughs> I think he, I think he meant on the football field. <laughs> well, I'm sure there will come a day, you know, but uh, is that what you're talking about? That football? He, he, was talking, he was talking about football. He was? Wow. He used to be on my noontime basketball league, I guess. You know, we're no longer partners, yeah. you know comes to that Coach. now they have a really good team really good program and um you know they're getting better and better all the time and there's a lot of challenges in the sec and they're certain one of the, certainly one of the up-and-coming programs and he's always been a great coach did a great job for us when he was with us and he's had a great career as a head coach so all right so hey i think my favorite thing about this response is about halfway through nick Saban's a human being and he's having a good time with uh, some bold off-season talk and then halfway through it clicks. He's like, my God, I'm the coach of Alabama. Get into robot mode here. Get into Bill Belichick mode. Have all the respect in the world for Jimbo. And <laughs> Man, I would just would have loved to see that second half of what he was going to say had he not clicked over to Nick Saban robot mode. If we can get half an authentic quote from Nick Saban, that's a, winning, that's a win in my book. But of course, the big news from Tuscaloosa over the weekend, Henry Toa Toa, former... Tennessee linebacker announces he's headed to Tuscaloosa. Ooh, that's got a sting. If you're a Tennessee fan, you hate to see it. Saw plenty of people calling out uh, the decision to go to Alabama for, for Henry Toa Toa, but hell, I don't think uh, you can blame him. It'd be one thing if Jeremy Pruitt was still the head coach of Tennessee. I think that would be completely different, but hey, he signed up to uh, play for Pruitt, play for... You know, recruited to Tennessee by Brian Niedermeyer. All those connections gone. So, hey, I don't blame him at all. Certainly, if you're Alabama. Here's a crazy thing. And I'm not trying to disparage Henry Toa Toa because I think he's one of the best linebackers in the SEC. One of the best linebackers potentially in the nation this upcoming season. But I don't want to say Alabama didn't need him. But as good as he is, I don't think he's walking into a situation where he's penciled in immediately as a starting linebacker there he's gonna to have to beat out Jalen Moody who is someone that uh, Nick Saban credited this spring for really buying into the program and he was certainly not a touted recruit but he's one of these guys that's uh earned his role and he's going into his senior season been playing special teams and defense for several seasons for the Crimson Tide now it's his turn but now he's gonna face stiff competition from Henry Toa Toa so hey it's the rich get richer and this is something that Nick Saban cautioned college football about if you want to open this these transfer rules well guess who's going to benefit from it 
Nick, with the uh, the NCAA D1 Council uh, passing the rule for the one-time transfer exception, uh, how do you foresee that affecting, you know, how you build an incoming class? Does that uh, require you to think about how many spots you save for, for transfers, um, you know, versus high school prospects? You know, I, I uh, we, we do, we have thought about a strategy that we'll use. Um, you know, you've heard me speak about this before. Um but now that it is a rule, uh, we're going to adapt to it and making it advantage for us. Uh, I think what's going to happen, as you see happen in a lot of leagues, um, you know, the good players go to a good team and um, the bad players leave good teams because they, they're, they're not playing. So is that going to make the rich get richer? Um, I don't know. You can, you can decide that. But uh, we, we would – we, we will only like look for transfers that can really, that are going to help our team be better. Um, so that means we have to have a need for them. Uh, they have to be better than the guys that we have in the program right now at their position. And so we'll be selective in how we choose guys. Uh, we're still going to recruit quality players that we can develop in the program. Uh, I don't think it's going to change our philosophy on that. Uh, because if we save spots to be able to do this, then what happens with the guys that leave your program? You just replace them with guys from other programs who probably, um, I mean, I don't think we're going to have our best players on our team want to leave Alabama. I mean, we do a great job here of helping players develop, be more successful in life. They, lots of player development. You know, most guys that have left here call back a hundred times wanting to come back. All right. So I, I don't think because we do such a good job academically with our guys, career development program, uh, we've done a really good job and have a good track record of graduating players, uh, developing guys to play at the next level. So I don't think our good players are going to be leaving, but I think we'll be able to get some good players to join us when we have room to do that. So he said that during spring. That's an old clip. This is not a uh, Saban did not release these comments after Henry Toa Toa announced he was going to Alabama. But it kind of proves his point. They're going to clean up, and it, when it comes to this transfer market, we're seeing that already. They got the uh, receiver from Ohio State the other day, Jamison Williams. So that is a speed receiver. That that's something that Nick Saban was kind of hitting at that uh, you know is missing from the team at this point. So. That's going to be the theme. That's how I'm going to close out this show. I'm going to rank the impact transfer portal additions to SEC teams this season. But before we get to that, let's jump it all down to Rocky Top real quick. Because them balls, baby. Hey, they may be losing guy left and right, but they're gaining them just as quick. This is the seventh transfer edition of the offseason because the Vols have landed Kansas defensive tackle Dejon Terry. And from what I understand, he was basically a lock to start for Kansas next season. He was a redshirt freshman last season. Only played in eight games, but had two sacks. A really big and imposing lineman here. He's not going to be an edge rusher by any means. He'll be a defensive tackle, a run stuffer. But the fact that uh, you know he's pushing, from what I understand, about 320 pounds, and he's still getting to the quarterback, should give you an indication of uh, his athleticism and versatility on that defensive line so Rodney Garner getting him another lineman to work with that'll be eligible immediately 
and has got at least three seasons of eligibility. If he takes, uh, you know, the free season of eligibility, he may have four seasons to play on Rocky Top. So I think this is, uh, you know, this is a big win for Tennessee here. If you're going to go into the transfer market and get a, get a guy with one or two years left, probably not the, the smartest move for Tennessee due to the, the scholarship sanctions that may be coming and everything. But this is kind of a win-win because you're getting a guy with Power 5 experience and has multiple years to play on Rocky Top. So I like this addition for Tennessee. And like I said, again, this is the seventh transfer addition, sixth since Josh Heupel has got to campus. The other was Hendon Hooker. So uh, we'll get down to those rankings here in a second. But hey, we got more portal news because let's jump it on down to Starkville. For Mississippi State, this was an interesting one. Former Washington State receiver, Jameer Calvin. He wasn't much of a factor last season. Of course, recruited to Washington State under Mike Leach. But his first two seasons at Washington State, 2017-2018, played in every game, all 13 each of those seasons. And this is a guy with uh, 75 catches and 800 receiving yards. Four touchdowns, first two seasons on campus, like I said. Redshirted in 2019, did not play. And in 2020, uh, only 17 catches, 183, and a touchdown. And that probably says to me that, you know, he's an ideal fit for the Mike Leach system. He's a five foot 10, 160 pound guy, so he's a smaller guy. But uh, clearly, Mike Leach found a way to get the most out of Calvin right away. And when you lose a guy like uh, Javonta Payton, who left a couple weeks ago and, of course, is now at Tennessee, uh, Mississippi State maybe I don't want to say hurting for depth at the receiver position, but you bring in someone that's already played and thrived in Mike Leach's system, you know, I think this should be seamless. I know we're going into year two, so there really shouldn't be the excuses anymore of not having the system implemented there in Starkville, but given all the difficulties of uh, the last offseason, I mean, that's somewhat understandable. So adding a guy like Calvin that already knows the system inside and out, I mean, it's only going to help that further along at Mississippi State. So again, this is another really nice pickup that I think uh, should pay dividends immediately for Mississippi State. And last thing here before we get to uh, transfer portal rankings, Arkansas. Yes, how about them hogs, man? They're locking up the state this recruiting cycle. And they landed a commitment from four-star offensive lineman, Marion Harris. He's the number three overall rated prospect from the state. He gives Arkansas three of the top four and six of the top ten from inside the state. And, you know, this is uh, something why Sam Pittman kind of reshuffled the staff a little bit this offseason. Wanted to get stronger in recruiting. And here we go. You know, we're, ha- we're basically at the halfway point of the recruiting calendar, and Arkansas is cleaning up the state, doing a really good job locking down the in-state talent. So another big pickup for the Razorbacks, and the fact that uh, recruiting is opening back up, once you get more kids to campus, you got to feel like the Razorbacks are going to be in a great spot to add to the recruiting class that's already it's, uh, well on its way to being the best of the Sam Pittman era. All right, so hey, as Shane likes to say, list season, you know, we need content to talk about, and there's just been so many damn transfers the last couple of weeks. I thought it would be fun to rank transfers in terms of their impact on the field in the SEC next season. Now, while coming up with this list, I'm assuming that all these guys are going to be eligible next season. 
that is not official with some guys. And I'm thinking here, as I go down the list here, Henry Toa Toa. Yes, the NCAA has passed the one-time waiver to where you're eligible immediately, but the SEC still got to pass the same deal. So technically, he is not eligible to play for Alabama, but that is going to be decided here in, I believe, in June during the uh, SEC league meetings is when they'll kind of make a determination on that. And uh, a lot of people, most of people that I talk to expect that to pass. So I'm not expecting any hurdles to be in Henry Toa Toa's way, but I just wanted to make that note. He's still got to be officially ruled eligible if he hopes to go from one SEC team to another. And of course this is, uh, I'm talking just underclassmen because there's a, there's a couple other guys on this list that, uh, you know, our graduates that are eligible immediately regardless. So, hey, I this was a tough list to whittle down here. I've got about 30 names to pick from, so I just went with the top 15 here. And we'll start at the bottom here. Number 15 on my list, all, former Auburn defensive lineman, Daquan Newkirk to Florida. The Gators are going to need uh, a presence there in the middle of that defense. I think... You know, I've been saying it all offseason. I think the Florida defense is going to be a lot better than it was last season. They've also added the defensive lineman from Penn State. But I'm going with Newkirk here. But I think he'll make a little bit of a bigger impact here. He's already played. He's logged 30 career games here for during his Auburn career. So he's got tons of experience in the SEC. Hell, he's even played in Gainesville. So, And Dan Mullen and company were already singing this guy's praises when he showed up. The, the other guy's name is uh, Antonio Shelton, I believe, from Penn State. A little bit uh, less productive. And, of course, you know, coming to the Big Ten, to the SEC, there, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a difference there. So those were kind of the determining factors for me, why I put Newkirk over Shelton on that one. All right, number 14 on my list, former West Virginia defensive back Drayshawn Miller. It's transferred to Auburn. And this is, uh, you know, West Virginia. Of course, I don't watch a lot of West Virginia football here. But, uh, you know, for what it's worth, they were ranked number one in the country in pass defense. They've had, they've had a couple of guys transfer off that unit. And, hell, they had their position coach leave as well. So uh, that's that's called foreshadowing there, folks. But, you know, Drayshawn Miller, he's going to have an opportunity immediately here at Auburn to play for Derek Mason and fill a role within this Auburn secondary. And a guy like that, he's not coming to the SEC. He's not coming to Auburn to sit. So uh, I think Dre Sean Miller is going to start, at least if not immediately by the season's end there. So look for him to make a real impact going from the Big East to the SEC. Dre Sean Miller's got to make this list. Next on the list, number 13, former Tennessee offensive lineman Jameer Johnson to Texas A&M. Now, Jameer Johnson, uh, to my knowledge, did not play in Texas A&M spring game a couple weeks back. But, you know, you could tell from that game they need help on that offensive line. And, that hell, that's why you bring in a graduate transfer. And Jameer Johnson, you know, I think Tennessee fans, that's not one that they were too overly concerned left the program. But, you know, he's got several years of experience and, and just playing on the field, in and out of the rotation. And Tennessee brought in guys like, Wanya Morris and Darnell Wright, a couple of five-star offensive tackle prospects. And, you know, the coaching staff clearly probably wanted to start those guys over Jameer Johnson, yet it seemed like about half the time it was Jameer Johnson. I mean, he was one of those guys that re refused to uh, be kept off the field. 
and you know a little undersized. He's not the ideal measurables or anything like that. But Texas A&M losing four or five on the offensive line needs some help there. I think Jameer Johnson is going to play and play quite a bit. So that's why I've got him number thirteen on this list. Number twelve, former Rice linebacker Blaze Aldridge to Mizzou. What a name there, Blaze Aldridge. This is someone that I was fired up as soon as uh, it was announced he was headed to Mizzou. This is a guy that uh, was a two-time all-conference player at Rice. They play in the Conference USA, Conference America, but uh, (laughs) he had over 200 tackles, 29 tackles for loss, six sacks, two interceptions. And this is in three years, I'm saying. 200 tackles in three 214 tackles in three seasons on the field. So obviously it's going to be a, a step up in competition there playing in the SEC for old Blaze. But, hey, he's going to blaze a trail here for Missouri, man, because they need help at linebacker with uh, Nick Bolton off in the NFL. He's going to be making tackles in the NFL this fall. So I think Blaze is going to step in and be a, a really big contributor for Mizzou. And speaking of Mizzou right there, I go number 11 as well, former Ohio State receiver, Mookie Cooper got him number 11 on this list and certainly you could say Mookie Cooper maybe deserves to be moved up this list a little bit but uh, you know after having our guy Nate Edwards on the show kind of you know he kind of hit on an interesting point where Mookie kind of he's probably the best receiver on Missouri's team right now He kind of fits a similar mold of, of a lot of what they already have so going into his first year under Eli Drinkowitz Maybe if he was in year two, I'd put him a lot higher on this list. I think Mookie Cooper, hell, if you're on this list, you're doing good. So I'm not trying to disparage him at all. But uh, that's why I've just got him right outside the top ten. So we'll see what kind of impact he has for the Missouri Tigers. But I think he's going to be all over the field for him. All right, number ten on my list. I'd probably have this guy a lot higher if I was convinced he was going to be the starting quarterback. But I'm not at this point, and I kind of was before, but – Former Virginia Tech quarterback, Hendon Hooker, now at Tennessee. And, you know, based on what I've seen of all the Tennessee quarterbacks, I still like Hendon Hooker. I know Harrison Bailey had the great spring game. I always got to be careful not to put too much stock into what you see in a spring game. But I thought the biggest indictment of Hendon Hooker, and it's got nothing to do with uh, him necessarily, but coach and staff went out and got Joe Milton. So what does that tell you about what they think of Hendon Hooker And not only Hooker, but the rest of the quarterbacks on the staff. I mean, you do not add a quarterback if you're already at four scholarship signal callers. Now Tennessee's at five. Of course, that's probably not going to hold the entire offseason. But that's that's shaking my confidence a little bit. Because Hendon Hooker is the only quarterback on this list. And I think he'll make a a much bigger impact. This is going to look like a terrible number 10 selection if Hendon Hooker is the starting quarterback week one and holds that the, the entire season. But... I just don't have confidence right now in him to do it, given the fact that uh, Tennessee has also added Joe Milton. Kind of talking out both sides of my mouth here, but Harrison Bailey did the hell. He looked great in that spring game. So don't put too much stock into it, but you can't completely dismiss it either. So maybe Harrison Bailey, maybe it's starting to click for him uh, in this offense. So again, that's why I've got Hendon Hooker, quarterback, number 10 on this list. All right, number nine, impact transfer into the SEC. St. Francis receiver slash tight end EJ Jenkins, of course now at South Carolina. And my God, you watch his spring game, he looked, I thought he looked like Jimmy Graham out there. I mean, that's who he reminded me of with that stature, being a red zone weapon for the Gamecocks. 
uh, six foot seven, six foot eight. I've seen him listed as both, but he that's legitimate. So uh, South Carolina hurting for weapons, and EJ Jenkins is not just a big guy. I mean, he's got big play ability. So um, Nick Muse, we know, is already coming back, and he and Luke Doty is, have already, you know, established a really great rapport. And that I think is just going to help EJ Jenkins to where you know it's, it's hard for me to believe all the coverage is going to be focused to. On EJ Jenkins, when we got Nick Muse at the other tight end spot, so uh, that's potentially going to open some really good one-on-ones for Jenkins here, and that's why he, I got him in the top ten. All right, number eight on my list: former Ohio State receiver Jamison Williams, now at Alabama. A when Nick Saban says he needs speed at the receiver position, they go out and get a track type runner here, a guy that scored in the college football playoff that maybe just was not going to fit into the rotation as, as he wanted here at Ohio State this upcoming season. All those pieces together, you got to feel like Jamison Williams, you know, he probably deserves to be boosted up this list if we're just talking about total potential and, and overall skill. But again, this is a impact ranking. So I think he's going to have a certain role in the Alabama offense. He'll be, you know, the deep threat, the speed receiver type that they didn't have before. I think he's going to make some big-time plays for Alabama this year. All right, number seven on my list, former Temple running back Ramon Davis, now at Vanderbilt with uh, the law firm Henry Brooks in the transfer portal. I have no idea if he's ever coming back, but uh, I'm surprised he's not made a decision yet. He was so good last season as a freshman for Vanderbilt, but now they need someone to step up. And all spring I was hearing about Davis and in the spring game. Davis was standing out there too. So uh, I think Davis is going to be a guy that's really, really under the radar. If this was fantasy football talk, I'd be buying stock in uh, Ramon Davis because I think he's going to, you know, he'll lead the team in carries and, and rushing yards and all that in his first year playing for Clark Lee. Buy you some uh, Ramon Davis stock while you can. All right, number six on the list here Clemson linebacker Mike Jones for the LSU. And this guy with starting experience at Clemson, LSU's bringing back damn near everybody on the entire starting defense and offense. The only position that they're losing some guys is linebacker. So Mike Jones coming in here to start immediately. And if he could start for Clemson's defense, he could sure as hell start for LSU. I mean, they're on equal footing here, basically. So I think Mike Jones Jr. is going to be a name to know in the SEC. You know, almost like... uh, Jabril Cox, who they had just kind of come in here and was seamless, day one starter, making plays. I know LSU's defense was dreadful at times last year, but Cox did well enough to get drafted. What was it in round top or round four, I think it was. So, uh, you know, I think Mike Jones could have a similar impact. I'm putting him pretty high at number six on this list. All right, the top five, number five, former Clemson running back Demarcus Bowman of Florida. The former five-star running back from Lakeland High School down there at the the old stomping grounds of the Gators. This is one where Dan Mullen was crushed to miss him during his high school recruitment. But hell, it only lasted one season at Clemson. Now he's back in the state of Florida, going to carry the rock for the Florida Gators. I think he's only had like nine carries for 30-something yards. So maybe if we'd seen a little bit more of him, I'd put him high on this list. But uh, you know, with the Florida is only returning 68% of their rushing yards. That's the ninth fewest in the SEC. So someone like Bowman to step into this lineup 
help Emory Jones not have to shoulder the entire load on the offensive side of the ball. I think Bowman is a name that maybe a lot of people in the SEC don't know is coming just yet, but uh, I think they're going to find out real quick what Florida's got in the former Clemson running back. All right, number four on the list, former Texas linebacker Jawan Mitchell. Of course, led the Longhorns in tackles last season. Now he's coming over to Tennessee. I don't even know if they got any linebackers. (laughs) I can't, but hey, Jawan Mitchell, is. I mean, everything I've read about the guy, Sounds like he's coming to Tennessee not only to start, but to be one of the team leaders. And that's pretty impressive for a guy that just transferred in about a week ago, and now he's talking about being a leader on the football team. I think that gives you an indication of what Tennessee's getting in Juwan Mitchell, and I think he's going to be a day one instant starter, led Texas in tackles. He's going to lead Tennessee in tackles. When you lead a team in tackles your first season, you got to be put in the top five rankings of a, of a list like this. All right, number three on the list, former Tennessee linebacker Henry Toa Toa to Alabama. So I already touched on uh, Henry Toa Toa's addition, but I'd probably put him number one if we were talking the best transfer players. But again, that's not exactly what I'm talking about here. I'm talking impact of their transfers. And Henry Toa Toa, I think he'll be outstanding for Alabama, but it'll be a rotation there, I think, at least in part. And it's because of Moody. It's because of Christian Harris, because of all these uh, outstanding linebackers that we already got at Alabama. I mean, this is almost ridiculous, me sitting here talking about it, adding a potential All-American, a likely high-round draft pick, just off the street, essentially. That's where Alabama's at these days. They're already talking up the defense back down there in Tuscaloosa. Now they've added another outstanding piece of the puzzle here. So Henry T is just going to make his defense that much more dominant. But I don't necessarily think he's going to be, you know, the star of star on that defense because, hell, they got so many. So he'll make a big impact. But uh, number three is where I got him right now. All right, top two here. Number two, former Nebraska receiver Wondell Robinson to Kentucky. The Wildcats returning 89% of their receiving production from last season. But, of course, we know the – the offense is being completely changed there in Lexington. They're going to air it out more. They're going to open this thing up, but it's not going to work if all you got is Josh Ali to throw the ball to. So Wondell Robinson fits this slot role. You know, he's going to be asked to be all over the field, pre-motion snap, may even, uh, you know, get a ton of carries on jet sweeps and things like that. Maybe uh, I could see him being a big factor in, in bubble screens and slants and things of that nature. So Wondell Robinson, he's going to be all over the field. I I saw, I think it was Barrett Solis said Wondell Robinson getting some Heisman love. I ain't going that far. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be the number two receiver in the SEC, but in terms of impact for the Kentucky Wildcats in this new offense, I think it's almost safe to say, I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous to put this much hype under one player, but I would be far more worried about the transition to this new offense without Wondell Robinson because I just, even with him, you know, I'm kind of questioning if they've got the pieces on the outside to run this thing. But without him, I mean, they'd be, they'd be hopeless. So, I mean, he is going to be touching the ball all the time, and he may lead the SEC in all-purpose yards uh, by the time the season ends. All right, number one on the list, former West Virginia defensive back Ty Key Smith, of course, to Georgia. Pencil him in as your starting star already. Uh, he's going to be an integral part of Kirby Smart's defense right out the gate here. And I think uh, the 
All-American from West Virginia. I mean, what a blow this is. Uh, you know, everybody's talking about Henry T. See, it's it's almost a it's it's a different situation here because Tyke Smith, he's going to somewhere with Georgia where they desperately, desperately need. Remember, they were trying out linebackers at the <laughs> nickel star position here. Don't have to do that necessarily now. Now we've got Tyke Smith, who was an All-American at West Virginia, can slide into that role at Georgia. Uh, this is, I think, going to be proven to be the addition of the offseason here because it's it's an elite player filling a position of need, desperate need, with the Georgia Bulldogs. And it's just going to make that defense that much stronger in Athens this offseason. All right, guys, so I hope you like that. Um, we got a guest lined up for the next episode. So through, we're going to have another episode on Wednesday morning that I think you guys will really, really enjoy bringing on someone with uh, is going to bring a, a fresh and unique perspective. You're not going to get the information he provides anywhere else. So that's a teaser there for you. And hopefully Cousin Shane can get off a couch and maybe we'll get his thoughts on Henry Toa Toa and he can rip apart my lisp here next time I see him. But, hey, that's going to do it. I appreciate each and every one of you hopping on and listening to me spiel here. If you made it this far, don't forget, give us that five-star written review on the apple podcast app and give us a uh, subscribe to our youtube channel trying to get that thing built up in time for the season so each and every one of you that subscribe to that channel really helps that grow as well so hey that's gonna do it catch you on the next one